On The Go podcast is brought to you by The Sanctuary. For more information, please visit www.thesanctuarychurch.com. kicking off that series today. I gave you a little outline last week. Thrive series starts today. But before I go there, I want to have a quick conversation with us about uh, Bibles. I I think a lot of people stay away from their Bibles for some of the stuff I'm going to talk about today. We stay away from our Bible. We we like, okay, I, I I know I should read it, I can't tell you how many times I, I've heard this phrase, I've even said this phrase, I know I should read it more, I, I know I should, but there's something that keeps us away from it, and so I want to talk about that. We're reading out of the New Living Translation, in case, uh, in case you wonder, it's also in the chairbacks, but it's the New Living Translation. There's a lot of translations, or what's called versions, those are the same things, translations, versions, a lot of, lot of them out there, but a lot of them are, in my opinion, bound to either academic or archaic language. It's old language. What was originally written in Hebrew, right? That was the Old Testament. And then the New Testament comes in with Aramaic and then Greek, right? These are languages, uh, with the exception of Greek, they're just not really spoken like they were then. It, they've developed as well. But when you translate that into English, it sounds kind of funny, you know? And, and so, uh, you know, like Yoda begins the Bible to sound. You know, it's, it's, like, it's like, why is the word like that? How come they're doing it like that? And so sometimes I get caught reading the Bible going, Wait, what'd they just say? Uh, it's obvious that when you look at Scripture that these words were meant to be read aloud. We're supposed to read them aloud, and more often than not, even in the Bible, it's being read aloud in public. There's a public reading of it, and this is true for today because most people are hearing the Bible read aloud right here in church uh, as opposed to reading it for themselves. One of the primary goals of the New Living Translation was that it would be excellent for public reading. I think what happens for me is I find snag words, that's what I call them. I'm like reading along and, and I'm, uh, huh? you ever do that? Were you reading? And here's what, for the longest time, I've been reading this book for almost 50 years. And I cannot tell you how often I just, okay, and I just, I just move on. Because I don't know what that is until I learned as a young adult, I had to have a Bible and a dictionary next to me. And so I was reading my Bible, and then I would open up the dictionary and go, what are they talking about? And I would look it up. There are these snag words that aren't, aren't, don't get used a lot. Sanctification. When was the last time you used the word sanctification? Right? It's, it's just not used. It's, a, it's what we call Christianese. It's words that Christians use, but nobody else uses. And so because nobody else used them, I read sanctification, and I go, huh? You'll see words like Justification. Right? Well, I know what it means to justify yourself, but what does it mean? And why are they using justification in here? Because in my context, when somebody's trying to justify themselves, I'm going, that's not good. But it's saying that we're justified. I'm like, wait, what's the connection? And so I, I get caught sometimes. One of the big words that's always tripped me up is this word, propitiation. Right? When's the last time you heard that one used, right? Maybe never. I don't know. But propitiation. Here's the definition of propitiation. To gain favor. Through proper sacrifice. It's the regaining. It's like I was in favor, I lost favor, and now I got to get it back. But in order to get it back, I have to have proper sacrifice. That's an Old Testament idea, propitiation. 
Well, here's, here's where it's used. Uh, in the New American Standard, it's used in Romans 3.25. So watch this. This is how it's used. Whom God displayed publicly as a propitiation in his blood. We're talking about Jesus. Jesus was displayed by God publicly as a propitiation in his blood through faith. I'm like, cool. Still don't know what that means. Right? I, I get it. I see it. But that's where, whoop, help me Webster. Right? Here's what happened. When, when I read it in the New Living Translation, watch this. Romans 3.25 out of the NLT says this. God presented Jesus as the sacrifice for sin. Watch. People are made right with God when they believe that Jesus sacrificed his life, shedding his blood. Does that sound like the definition of propitiation? I didn't need my dictionary anymore. I fell in love with reading this Bible. I fell in love with reading the New Living Translation. Oftentimes what happens is I hear, I hear the impact that the New Living Translation has when I'm reading it aloud. I hear people say, I read the Bible before. I don't think I've ever read that before. I know that scripture. I've never known that scripture. And so we read out of the New Living Translation. H having said that, I want, I want to take a quick look at our primary English translations or versions. Here's the difference translate. This is not a timeline. This is just, you'll see these words, interlinear and paraphrase. So those are the two ends of this line. But here's all the different versions. So interlinear, over here to the far left, is when you have a Bible that says it's written in Greek and then it's written in English and written in Greek and written in English. So you're reading the original Greek, if you can read Greek. It's the original Greek writing. And then right underneath it is the literal English translations of those words. That's what would be considered interlinear. So you have what I just talked about, the NASB, New American Standard, English Standard, right? And it goes all the way over here to paraphrase, which is actually kind of a retelling. Okay, it's a, it's a retelling. So you have this word for word right here over on the left, and then it starts moving toward meaning for meaning. In the middle, what we're trying to get to is the closest natural equivalence. In, in essence, what's the point? What, 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 what's the point of this scripture? And so the translation is moving from directly, this is exactly what the Hebrew said, the Aramaic said, the, the Greek said, to this is kind of the idea, and then it gets over here to thought for thought, over on the right-hand side. And, and it's, it's, it's actually a functional translation. It's just like, here, here's what we're trying, trying to get to, right? Well, each of these translations, you can see these translations, each of these translations are also directly tied to reading levels. Check out the reading levels. Post-college. NASB, you have to have graduated from college to read all the words and go, I know that word, I know that word, I know that word, I know that word. You have to have had a college education to get these 11th grade, 10th grade, all the way down to 5th grade. Here's what I want to draw our attention to. As of 2023, current stats, among U.S. adults, 79% of U.S. adults are literate. Okay? They can read, they can write. 54% of that 80% are at or below a sixth grade reading level. So pull that sheet back up for me, would you please, Owen? Thank you. More than half, more than half of our population is at a sixth grade reading level. I have people who have graduated from high school but never did the reading. Anyone here? Listen, I did not read my first book for me. This is my own context. I did not read a book from cover to cover until I was 30 years old. Actually, 33. 
I started taking medication, and I was able to then focus my ADHD, and I was like, wow, this is what the rest of the world does? They can read a book from start to finish? Like, this is amazing! Our reading levels are down here, but our Bible translations are over here. And I realized there's a problem. Beyond this translation and versions conversation, there are primarily four different types of Bibles that people get into, right? So these are the translations and versions, but there's types. And the types of Bibles are, are very different. There's just a text Bible where you're just reading, it's just words. It's just strictly text. Verse 1, verse 2, verse 3, chapter 4, chapter 5, it just goes on, right? But then you also have study Bibles that have like charts and graphs and notes and biographies and all these other things. And you're like, oh, cool. Oh, look at these the walls of Jerusalem. Oh, look at where this river went to this river. And, oh, and so you see these kinds. That's a study Bible, right? And then you have devotional Bibles. There are a lot of devotional Bibles out there. You know, it's like, oh, this is for, uh, you know, this is for uh, uh, people who struggle with addictions. So this is an addictions Bible, right? This is for the housewives Bible, right? This is the blonde-haired, blue-eyed child of, you know, dysfunctional adults Bible, right? There's all these types of Bibles, right? Devotional Bibles. And then, and then lastly, they have these specialty Bibles. There's youth Bibles, kids' Bibles, right? There's, there's just different Bibles that are out there to get. M my point in this pre-ramble this morning, is if you don't have a Bible, listen to me, that you look forward to reading, if you don't look at your Bible and go, oh, I can't wait to get into that today. See, again, I was intimidated for years because I was like, okay, I know it's what I got to do. I know it's the right thing to do, but I don't get it. If you don't have a Bible that you look forward to reading, I want to encourage you, take the New Living Translation out of the chair back this morning. That's free, take it. That's a New Living Translation. We have New Living Translation in the Resource Center. That's why, that's why it's the only translation. We could carry a lot of translations. I just chose, listen, you can get all kinds of translations on Amazon. You can go online, get them, right? But I go, listen, for us, this is where we're going we're gonna to stick here with the NLT. It's just an easier to take in. It's easier to process it, right? Because the Bible tells us, given that everything God has given us, everything that we need, to live a godly life. Shouldn't we get to know who he is through his revelation? He's given us everything we need to live a godly life, but I go, I stay away from it, and my life isn't as godly as I would like it to be. He's given us everything we need. I'm just not reading it because I don't get it. It doesn't make sense. Not just language, but you also have to get into, where do, who is this guy compared to this guy, and is this guy related to that person? And how did, there, There's a lot of history, okay? So, getting into this series. Last week, I proposed that we move from good and better, and we move into best. Let's get into best, right? And if you missed that last week, I want to encourage you, get that. It's online. It's on the website. It's on all, all of our, our channels, uh, Facebook and YouTube, etc. But get it. My, my challenge was this. Get into one chair for discipleship before we get into many chairs for discipleship. These rows and circles that we get into, we get into Bible studies, we go to church, but what are we in a chair all by ourselves? What are we doing in this one chair? Whenever I get to talk about Thrive, right, whenever I'm given an opportunity to talk about this book, Thrive, my favorite part is the roots. I, I love the roots section. I love getting into it because, quite honestly, there's nothing Nothing happens without roots. And, and you'll hear me say, without the roots, there are no fruits. 
right? Whatever, whatever you put in the ground is what's going to come out on the branches. I put in an orange seed in the ground. It's going to take me some time, but I'm not growing apples. I'm not growing avocados. This isn't going to be a tomato vine. It's an orange seed. Whatever I put in the ground is what I'm going to grow. And so we, I want to take a lot of time on this roots section. What are these roots, right? We've all seen the dictionary. Here's the way the dictionary defines roots, right? The part of the plant that attaches itself to the ground or to a support, typically underground, conveying water and nourishment to the rest of the plant. The roots are the support system for everything. I'll say it again. Without the roots, there will be no fruits. And we're all busy trying to get the right things up here. But these things all happen automatically if we do these things. And that's what I want to get into in this series. So open up your Bibles. Come with me, please. Come with me. We're going to get in here. Again, I wrote the Thrive book, uh, and we're going to spend the majority of our time uh, in the first book. It's just this first book. It's only 108 pages. Book one is 108 pages. In, in the next eight, nine weeks, that's what I'm expecting, 100 pages. I think we can read 100 pages in eight weeks. And so that's really where we're going to spend the majority of our time. Um, to get good roots, we have to start with two other components. You heard me talk about the first one and kind of the second one in that video that I read there. But watch this. In Matthew chapter 13, Matthew chapter 13, same story is told in Mark chapter 4. But Matthew chapter 13, Jesus tells a very significant story, and it's a metaphor about both soil and seeds. Watch this. Matthew chapter 13. This is most commonly known as the parable of the sower, right? The parable of the sower. However, I personally actually like the way the New Living Translation, they retitle it called the parable of the four soils. And I think when you read the parable, you go, oh, that really is a parable about soils, not about sowing. It, 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 seed is mentioned, but it really is talking a lot about soil. So watch this. I'm going to start chapter 13, the book of Matthew. It's in your chair back. It's right. It's the first book right there. You got your Bible bookshelf right. Chapter 13, starting in verse 3. Watch this. I'm going to just read right down through verse 9. Jesus tells many stories in the form of parables, and this is one of them. Parable is essentially a story with a point, a story with a lesson to be learned, right? Listen, he says. A farmer goes out and he plants some seeds. And the farmer scatters those seeds all across his field. Some of the seeds fall on a footpath, and the birds come and eat them. Verse 5, other seeds fall on shallow soil with underlying rock, right? And the seeds sprout quickly because the soil was shallow, but the plant soon withered under the hot sun. Welcome to Santa Clarita. And since they didn't have deep roots, they died. Verse 7, other seeds that the, this farmer's sowing, right, he's throwing them out there, other seeds fall among thorns, and those seeds grow up and get choked out. Those tender plants get choked out. Watch this. They get choked out. It's, it's, it's such a beautiful picture, right? The tender plants. Verse 8. Other seeds, here it comes, fall on fertile soil. Farmers throw in the seeds. They fall on fertile soil, and they produce a crop that's 30, 60, and even 100 times as much as we planted. Anybody who has ears to hear, you ought to be listening to this one. That, that, these are the words of Jesus. What, what's really important in this story 
is that in each scenario, there's nothing wrong with the seed. Do you see it? The focus, every single time, is on the soil. Or what I like to call the heart soil. The heart soil. That's where it's all at. If you go down just a little bit further into, into verse 18, Jesus explains each of the heart soils. Verse 18, right? He says to his disciples, hey, on the footpath, that's hard heart soil, right? And it gets snatched away. Here's the way I see this most often happening and, and participating in it. Did everybody hear me just include us, right? Right? Is we hear a sermon and we go, oh yeah. And then at lunch we joke about the sermon. Oh yeah. And we laugh about it. And I think sometimes those seeds just go, get plucked away. As we're giggling, laughing about convictions that we have. Anybody know what I'm talking about? I, I kind of want, <laughs> it's their nervous laughter. And so I make kind of jokes. You hear Pastor Morgan, you said, <laughs> And sometimes I think, I think the devil comes in and he goes, and that's what Jesus said. He said, the devil comes in and he snatches those seeds. And then he says, the next one, that, that rocky soil, he says, it's shallow. And here's what he says, it, the, the seed is received with joy. Oh, yeah. But it has no roots. And so as soon as it grows up, it just falls away. There's nothing to keep it firm, right? And then he gives the third one. He says, the thorns, that's crowded heart soil. He even gives what it's crowded out by. He says, he says, worries and wealth. Anyone? Anyone? He says, that's what crowds out. Again, nothing wrong with the seed. The seed is good and would grow. The problem is it's crowded out by worries and wealth. And then he says this last soil, what I call the amended soil, the amended heart soil, right, is for those who hear and understand. He said, that soil, that produces 30, 60, and 100 times as much as was put in the ground. We, we know the concept. You put one apple seed in the ground, it grows a tree with thousands of apples year after year after year after year. That's the point of this whole story. Our job, you and I, all we really have to worry about is cultivating our heart soil. Don't worry about the seeds. Cultivate the heart soil. So here's a question. Hardened? Superficial, congested, healthy? Here's my question. How's your heart soil? How's your heart soil? What's going on? What are we ready to receive? So I'm going to continue on here. Watch this. It's important to know how our heart soil is because seed is constantly being thrown at us. Culture seed and kingdom seed. Question, what's growing? Culture seed and kingdom seed. What's growing up? I, I made discipleship, the definition of discipleship, very simple, right? More like Jesus today than I was yesterday, more like Jesus tomorrow than I am today. That's discipleship. So what seed is growing that makes me more like Jesus? Watch this. If you got your app open, I hope you do, fill in these blanks. The roots, the roots are so important. They are our number one priority because roots provide, first, the nourishment. This is the nourishment we've got to use to grow. That's what roots do. I'll get into it later in this series. I'll get into some botanical terms. I think you'll enjoy learning some of these things that I learned as a kid just naturally. Uh, my father was a, a gardener and a, a horticulture professor at Pierce College for a long time. And so I grew up around plants. This is what I did all my childhood. And so I learned about these things. I'm going to be sharing them with you in, throughout the series. But the, we need nourishment. And that's what the roots do for us. Second one is the roots are going to provide the support that we need to stand up. 
Roots give us down so that we can go up. And then lastly, it's the anchor. The roots are the anchor that we're going to use to support us during the storms of life. So my question is, as you see this, how nourished are you? Feeling good about your spiritual life in Jesus? How are you connected with God these days? Are you standing strong? Hey, how are you doing in the storms? They blowing you over? I'm going to get into the series how we can prevent some of that. And it happens because the winds are pretty gnarly. The winds in life blow against us and like, I can't do it anymore. And we fall over. There's some ways to alleviate some of these things. How do we stay strong and stand strong in, with these spiritual roots that Jesus is talking about? We, we have to go both deep and wide. We've all seen what's called root bound. I'll get some pictures later on. But root bound where the roots were going down but they didn't go out. And so you pull it out and you go, that thing's not growing anymore. Right? So he has to go deep and wide. But let's, let's look at these roots. The first, the first section of the thrive tree, this is the first section of the thrive tree. It, this is where we are going to know, understand our belonging, right? So this is where we get into our belonging, okay? All the things that we're going to be looking at today are in private. Everything below the soil. You don't see any of this ever until the rain comes and it goes poop and it falls over. And you go, oh, look at all the roots, until we're pulling something out of the ground. This is all private. Nobody sees this. You don't get to see my private roots. That's what we're going to talk about today. Some of our roots, and there are four of them, may carry over into public practice. And you'll see which ones very quickly. But it always starts in private. The stuff I'm talking about has to be done by us individually. Can't be, watch this. Can't be done for us. Somebody else can't do it. I have to do it. These are the four non-negotiable roots we all need if we are going to become mature in our Christian spiritual formation. We've got to have these roots. It starts here with reading God's word. This is the first root, reading God's word. So if you're filling in the blanks, here's the blanks for you. Reading God's word. It's the revelation of God. This is who he is, what he's done. He says, I want you to know who I am. This is me. He reveals himself, and this is what I call the tap root. It is a primary root, I'll get into that in a little bit, of the discipleship process. We, without reading God's word, nothing is done outside of this. The next three roots that I'm going to read, uh, we're going to talk about, are going to be the responses to this one root. It all starts here. And this is the primary root because it gives us the context for our lives. Reading God's word gives us context for our lives. It helps us understand our shape. It helps us understand our place in the world. When I read God's word, I go, oh, right. Again, these next three roots are going to be the responses as I read God's word, as I read to God revealing himself to me, this is how I respond. Some would say these are byproducts. I don't think so. These are not byproducts of reading God's word. A byproduct is, is the result of something, a fruit. And, and we'll talk about fruit later in the series, but these are the responses. See, the Bible says, I, I love this, Colossians 2.7. He says, let your roots go down deep and let your lives draw up nourishment from him. Let your lives be built on them. That's how your faith grows strong. Your faith grows strong in the truth that you're taught. And watch this. And it says, and your lives will overflow with thankfulness. I get around grumpy bumpies, man. You know who I'm talking about? The curmudgeons. And I'm like, no roots down in the soil of God's love because there's no thankfulness. Everything's complaining. I'm like, come on, right? So these other three non-negotiable roots, again, they're responses to this taproot. And these are in no specific order. I'm just giving them to you. The first one is meditation. It's the process 
of cultivating his will into our life. I'm meditating on this. It's a response to this. And I'm going to stop and I'm going to think about it some more. I'm going to stop and I'm going to process it some more. I'm going to stop and I'm going to study it some more. It's just one of the three things that we do with the revelation of God. I read the revelation and I meditate. This is journaling, studying, memorizing the Bible. We need to memorize the Bible. It's the work of walking this revelation out in our lives. This route is where we move from being hearers of the word to doers of the word. We got, and we got to do that. We'll talk about that next Sunday, right? And you're invited, by the way. Uh, you can mark this date down. If you're taking notes, mark this date down. January 25th, I'm going to have a growth journaling workshop here. It's a Wednesday night. I'm going I'm to have a workshop here just to talk about how do you journal? How, how do you do this, this thing? How do you process? What is this meditation? I'm going to give just one of the ways. There are many ways. I'm just going to give one that I think is very practical, right? You're invited to come to this workshop with me. Um, next is, here's the next route, prayer. Prayer is the prayer route. And this is not just talking, but listening. Not just talking, but listening. And it is about connection. Prayer is all about connection. It's about our communication with God. Connection, when we have connection, we feel seen. We, heard value, we, we feel valued. We feel, we feel heard. This is where we derive our sustenance, our strength from a relationship. I feel connected to this person, whether that be my spouse. I feel connected with them, and, and, I, and I get something. There's some strength there, right? And here's the last one is worship. Last one is worship. This worship route is, is about the revelation. It moves us in the revelation of God from our heads to our hearts. It's like, okay, I know that about God, but now what do I do with it? And again, these are in no specific order, Right? But this worship piece is our response to this revelation. Wow, that's who you are? I have to worship you. That's why we do here, we do worship at the end. We read the revelation first, and then we worship. Rather than worship and then come to the revelation. I I know that it's backwards. I know any other church in this valley probably does all the singing on the front end to get us ready to hear the pastor bring the word. But I think this prepares us to do that. And that's why we do it in reverse. And I saw some people are like, I came in, I was expecting like more songs. I knew I was going to be late. And then all of a sudden you're talking. I'm like, I'm in the middle of his teaching. Because yeah, we do it in reverse. I apologize. There you are. Okay. These roots, as I said, are non-negotiable. They have to be in every disciple's life. Watch this. Just take this moment. Picture one of them gone. Try and be a disciple of Jesus without prayer. Just take one away. Can you be a disciple of Jesus without reading God's word? Just take one of these away. There's a whole bunch of people who are trying to be disciples of Jesus without meditation or studying, processing, walking out the truth of God's word into our lives. This is the last time they will hear, a Sunday morning will be the last time they hear God's word. And that there's no meditation on it. That's why at the end of service, I'll always say, hey, here's all the verses I used. Read these this week. Because this has to continue. Again, just take one of these things away, and I think you'll discover. Lastly, this is all about knowing God. This is where we're daily learning who we are because we know who he is. This is this bottom section. We're going to spend the next three weeks talking about these other three responses to this. 
This is the bottom section of this Thrive Tree. This is what I asked us to read this last week. How many got that reading? Oh, don't raise your hands. Not looking, not looking. Right. Okay. Today, I really want to, uh, the focus has been on reading God's word. And I called it a primary root. It's a primary root, what I call the tap root. It is the strongest, strongest root. It is the most significant root. And without this root, without this root, you can't have the other roots. It's impossible. A tap root is, in, 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 when you think about a tap root, think about like a carrot. A carrot is considered a tap root. So this is a tap root. A tap root is a single strong root and everything grows out from it. This is the way a carrot grows. Well, in every tree, there's always a tap root, but then other roots come as well. But there's always one single one. And that's why they say you have to dig a hole twice as big as the plant that you're going to put in. You have to make room for those roots to go out immediately when you put it in the ground. So I think some of us are missing a tap root. Some of us are missing this tap root. And we have, watch this, we've seen this. We see this every year. The winds blow in Santa Clarita. You ever see the trees fall over? The root ball is like just, here's the tree, and the root ball is right there. But it should be spread out. Good roots, natural roots in the world. You can see them up in the sequoias when one of those trees go over. Uh, Watch this. They can go out. Watch this. A good tree, the roots go out as far as the tree is tall. Talk about sturdy, right? Imagine you're looking at a 100-foot tree and just go out. As far as the shade is thrown from that tree is how far those roots can go out. Think about that. And now ask yourself, is my taproot doing that? Do I have that kind of do I have that kind of work being done in my life? Now, while we we're not choosing what we're reading, we are choosing how, when, and where we're reading it. I know there are people who love the e-Bible, e- right? They, they're like, eh, I'm not into the tree Bible. I like the e-Bible, right? And so I, I like it on my phone. I like it on my iPad, right? We have audio Bibles, right? People, uh, people on their way to work, just turn it on and listen to it. My, my bride, she will listen to audio Bible, and then she does her meditation part. She listens to it being read, right? And the Bible, it's very clear. There's, you hear the word, and freedom comes. So we have different ways that we can get it. Either way, listen, turn it on, open it up. I don't care how you get it, but just get into the Bible. Charles Spurgeon, I apologize to you, Owen. Would you pull up the Charles Spurgeon quote for me? Watch this. A Bible that's falling apart usually belongs to someone who isn't. Just take it in. This guy, Spurgeon, he, he was nicknamed the Prince of Preachers. Whew. Bible that's fallen apart usually belongs to someone who's not. Whew. Man. And so, for me, watch this. I'm desperate. I don't know about you. I'm desperate in my life. And in my desperation, I run to this. Because I'm in trouble without it. I'm in serious trouble. The decisions that are running through my mind and through my heart are really dangerous. And so for me, I want you to know, and I've said this before, I consider life an open book test. He's given us all the answers. I just got to find them. And so I tear my Bibles. I have one Bible upstairs. I actually kept it. The entire book of Galatians came out because I was in it, in it, in it, in it. And literally the book just comes out of the Bible because I couldn't stop reading Galatians. 
because it's all G, Galatians, G, grace. I wanted to know about grace, so I was studying, I was reading, I was memorizing portions of Galatians. It, it eventually just came out of my Bible. I get a new Bible every two years. I tear up my Bibles. Watch, it's not completely done with, it's just I need to keep learning, and I have a tendency to go back to my highlights. Anybody like your highlight reels, right? I want to talk about all the things I've already learned, and God's going, I need you to learn something new. And so I get into something new, and I'm like, I don't know where that scripture is. It was up on the left-hand side, highlighted in blue. Where is that scripture? A anyone? So I get a new Bible, and, and people look at me like, but what are you? I take all of my notes. I transfer them onto a document. I put them in a computer on a document, and I keep all my notes. But all my highlights, I have to start completely over again because I want to relearn. I want to stay sharp. Hebrews tells us, Book of Hebrews, chapter 4, verse 12. The word of God is alive and powerful. Here it is. It's sharper than the sharpest two-edged sword. It cuts between spirit and soul. It cuts between joint and marrow. It exposes, watch this, our innermost thoughts and desires. I better have something that starts defining for me different desires. I'm asking one thing in this, this teaching today. Please don't have a lonely Bible. Dusty Bibles lead to dirty lives. That's a fact. You ever get to that moment where you, you're like, oh, we, gotta, we had to move the refrigerator because something was wrong. Something was really wrong, right? You move the refrigerator like, when was the last time we moved the refrigerator? How many cleaned your air filters on your HVAC this last week? Anyone? Anyone? Right? I, I actually had dinner with someone. We were at their house, and they said, uh, by the way, can you show me how to clean out my air filter? I don't even know where it's at. And so after dinner, we're like, okay, opening the closet. I'm opening up the HVAC. They go, oh, yeah. She goes, it's been seven years. I'm like, uh-huh. It's real easy. It's really easy to forget these things. Please don't have a lonely Bible. Read your Bibles. If you're filling in your notes, here's your last one. we got to read the Bible like we need the Bible. We've got to read the Bible like we need the Bible. Some people just don't need the Bible. I don't need it. I'm good. House is being paid. Car payments are being made. Utilities are functioning. Everything's good. Everybody's healthy. Who needs the Bible? Whew, you ought to see what's going on inside this crazy little cranium, right? It's bad. We've got to read the Bible like we need the Bible. Again, a Bible that's falling apart is a sign of a life that more than likely isn't. I'm going to end this encouragement today from little, I'm going to end today's teaching with a little encouragement from the little brother of Jesus. His name is James. He's in the way back of the Bible here. I'm going to read out of James chapter 3. Watch this. James chapter 3, starting in verse 13. James chapter 3, starting in verse 13. I hope this will encourage you. I'm going to read all the way through verse 18. If you're wise and you understand God's ways, prove it by living an honorable life, doing good works with the humility that comes from wisdom. But if you're bitterly jealous and there's selfish ambition in your heart, don't cover up the truth with boasting and lying because jealousy and selfishness are not God's kind of wisdom. Such things are earthly, unspiritual, and demonic. Because wherever there's jealousy and selfish ambition, you're going to find disorder and evil of every kind. But the wisdom that comes from above is first of all pure. 
It's also peace-loving. It's gentle at all times. It's willing to yield to others. It's full of mercy. It's good deeds. It shows no favoritism. It's always sincere. And those who are peacemakers will plant seeds of peace. And they will reap a harvest of righteousness. That's what I believe God has for us. So, here's some scriptures for this week. Here's scriptures, all these scriptures, these scriptures that I've gone over today, and a couple others. So, if you don't have the app, take your phone out and clickety-click and get into those this week. You want to read some of these also. Uh, In book one, reading for this week, right? The reading for this week, right? Uh, That was too fast. So, go back for me. Oh, and I apologize. They were getting their phones out as I said it. Right now, you get a picture. There it is. So, read these scriptures this week. And then reading uh, in the life that thrives. The reading in the life that thrives. We're still in book one, chapters four and five. 27 pages this week. I'm hoping you can say, I can do that. I can do that. 27 pages, I can do that. That's like four pages a day. Four pages. One, two, three, four. Each day, right? We're turning the pages twice, right? So I can do that. 